and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter tires starting at only $49.95, only at Big O Tires. Uh, they have no credit needed financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to David Locke here momentarily. David's uh, appearance on the show always brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto team. I know David uh, Gordon has been doing a lot of deep dive stuff on the draft. We'll talk to him about that. I'm also eager to talk to him about uh, his thoughts on what happened with uh, the CBA and the negotiations, what uh, was worked out with the players and owners. Yeah, if I know David right, it's from what he said, I think he pretty well nailed it in advance, didn't he? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, let's get out to the zone phone. As I mentioned, uh, Locke's interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. He's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. What's up, David? It's snowing really hard. It's really white, and I'm guessing we don't see ground again until April. Well, that's good news for you, David. Uh, well, with this, uh, you know, December 22nd uh, start date, you might get plenty of turns in before the NBA season begins. Uh, that would be good. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion I will have more availability to get time in ski turns than I do in a regular season. Now I just got to figure out how to do it in all this reservation convoluted system that we have this year. Are you as good a skier now, David, as you've ever, as you've ever been, or have you slowed down a little bit? Um, I'll take the, what is it, the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution on that one? Um, well, as somebody never, that, that I Gordon... Will, I will never concede that point, so... Um, <laughs> as someone who skied with David Gordon, I can tell you this, he's really damn good. Uh, yeah, I, that's what I've always known. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really damn good. Uh, David, why don't you the get your problem, problem? The only problem I have, and Jake can attest to this, I think I was on pins the day we skied, or telemark skis the day we skied together. So I do something called telemark skiing, which I've done since I was 20, so I've done it for a long, long time. I don't, I've, I've gotten to the point now, and the, for like the three people who know what telemark skiing is, they'll understand this, and then we can move on. I have begun to get to the point where like I'm on the mountain now trying to find somebody else doing it who's my age. Yeah, though. That's interesting. There aren't there aren't many left yeah. my age that don't have their heels attached, and I'm I'm getting concerned about that fact. <laughs> well, it's it's very hard. <laughs> Telemark skiing is very hard and very physically demanding, as you know. Um, David, I want to ask you your your reaction to the the deal reached between the the players and the owners? I caught a little bit of your thoughts on Hanson Scotty the other day, and I thought uh, you broke it down really well. But uh, as you've kind of continued to read into this thing, what do you think? I really think Michelle Roberts deserves a lot of credit. It's like not something the media, for whatever reason, does kind of giving the players union credit on this. But I, I really do think Michelle Roberts deserves an enormous amount of credit. I mean, one, she, she got the escrow to 10% in, instead of some mammoth numbers so that her players are all fine. You know, that shouldn't have too big an impact. It's stretched out over three years so that it, it won't have as in, 
big an impact. And at the same time, you know, the, there's a rule that the owners can't claw back money from the players ever. So if for some reason, you know, it's worse than expected, the players are protected and the owners take the hit. Um, which is probably how it should be when franchisers are selling for $1.6 billion. Um, so I, I really thought Michelle Ro- – and I thought Michelle Roberts represented her players well, that, like, you know what, they don't necessarily all want to start this fast. So I thought she did a really good job, and then I think that's the beauty of Adam Silver is that, you know, deal-making does not have to be 100%, 0%. And, in fact – Sometimes a deal is right for you if the other side got a great deal. And in this case, you know, I think I kind of, if I were had to like put weights on it, I would say it was like a 70, 30 players owners deal, but maybe that's what it needed to be right now. And that that's what Adam Silver needed to do. Cause the bubble, you know, he really asked a lot out of them and they went and did it and he did, and he held up his end of the bargain, but that was not an easy ask. And so maybe it was time for Adam Silver to do the right thing, which is to allow them to have a little bit. And so I think that, you know, in that sense, he got the deal done. And then there's a bunch of little aspects to it that aren't great for the Jazz. Um, I think, you know, whether we have fans in the crowd or not, or what our limited number is a bigger hit on the smaller market teams and the larger market teams, because I believe that fan revenue is a larger percentage of their bottom line than the larger market teams and then they've done some luxury tax things because the taxes didn't the cap and the tax didn't move and so you know and they didn't come down frankly right like i think there was a real chance that some of those things could have come down now the teams didn't want the tax to come down because then more people are paying it and it's bad for everybody so that was kind of a win for the owners too but it was also a win for the players um and but they did they lessened the luxury tax burden so golden state and new york and philadelphia and maybe houston but they've never paid the tax i wouldn't think this will they'll do it um those teams suddenly aren't as burdened by the tax so that was a big win for the major market team. So this was not a and – and the escrow thing is not good for the small market teams that will probably lose money because of it. So uh, it was not a great deal for small market teams. I didn't think it was a great deal for all the NBA teams. I thought it was a – you know, I thought the players probably got the better end, but the bottom line is that everyone's playing December 22nd, and that's what the league needed more than anything else. So a tip of the hat. And I have a sneaking suspicion that when Major League Baseball gets to this point, they're going to be incapable of – this and we'll only realize how good the NBA was when the NHL and the NBA start to have problems. The NHL and Major League Baseball start to have labor problems, and labor problems in the midst of a pandemic kind of are as good as an almond joy in the middle of a swimming pool. <laughs> that brings that Cat image that we all know. Yeah, David, uh, I do it to you. Yeah, it was a baby Ruth, wasn't it? Baby Ruth. It yeah, baby? it wasn't an almond joy. Sorry. Anyway, uh, David, I do it to you every time I ask you an impossible question to answer, but I'm going to do it again. Do you think you will see the Jazz under new ownership go into headlong into the luxury tax realm? No, because it's just such bad business and it's insanity to go headlong into luxury tax. So the fact that you used the word headlong made that an really really easy question to answer um it's 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 unless you've won a world championship and you're re-signing your players um you know 
we draft Robert Woodard out of Mississippi State, and he becomes an all-star. You know, he's the surprise pick of the draft, like Rudy. And now all of a sudden we have our third all-star, and he's unbelievable. He's not that good, by the way. I just have somehow attached my name to him for some stupid reason. Um, he really can't do anything well at all other than he's – God just went into it, his bag of tricks and gave him all of them. Um, and that's why I like him. That's the only reason. There's nothing about his basketball that I truly like that much other than that God went in and gave this six foot eight man every single one of his like bag of tricks of, of athletic skills he could give someone. Um, but so, you know, whoever, we draft somebody and he becomes a star and, you know, something happens and now all of a sudden we've won a title and you've got to re-sign Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and then you go into the luxury tax headlong. But until that point, you don't do it. It's, it's, it's insanity. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280. Let me be really clear. Let me be clear about something about the luxury tax. It somehow has become... The, like, bellwether machismo, machismo, like, sign of whether or not you're, like, committed to winning. And that's bullcrap. It's actually awful business. Like, and, like, if you look, it, it's just it's just insane if you look at the deal. So, it's, and we want it that way as a small market team, because it's the only thing that casts people from spending. So as a small market team, we actually want the luxury tax to be so prohibitive that nobody wants to spend it. Cause that's what keeps us in the game. It's not a sign. You don't get like, you know, I don't want to use a veterans reference of like getting like little things on your sleeve because it's veterans day, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not some great honor. It's actually insanity. David, I want to switch gears just a little bit because we have some news uh, coming out from uh, Sham Sharania. And you mentioned the Rockets earlier. Uh, there's been a little uh, in the rumor mill about James Harden maybe not being happy with the direction the, the franchise is going. Well, Sham's just uh, reported this. Rockets' Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston, sources tell the uh, the Athletic, which kind of makes me chuckle because he's not exactly the easiest player to trade at the moment with $131 million left on his contract. But what do you think about what's going on in Houston? Um, that's interesting. Um, huh. Um, sorry, trying to digest it. So why would he want out of Houston? Because like, what is it that would be, um, Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why would he want out of Houston? Maybe he knows I mean, James wants out. Just, he knows they're going to suck. I mean, let's be clear about it. They fired Mike D'Antoni, and they fired Daryl Morey. Like, I know that it was all couched differently, but when D'Antoni takes an assistant coaching job and Daryl Morey spends 30, 72 hours with his family and then calls it good and decides to sign him, like, he didn't. Like, he, right? You're with me, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So – like, I don't know what it is. So, and then the other wild card is are somehow Russ and James Harden not good together, mm-hmm. right? Chris Paul was the one who was supposedly such a jerk that Russell, that James Harden couldn't handle him, and so he moved on. Um, it's pretty out of characteristic of Russ, actually. Um, 
I'm pretty surprised by this. This is not really like this is. If Russ is one of the guys who I actually think is like missed, most 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 miscast in the league for who he is as a player, um, and as a person. Like, remember, it was always he was the one who was flashy and flamboyant. Everyone thought he wanted out of Oklahoma City. It was actually Durant that wanted out of Oklahoma City. Russell got traded out of Oklahoma City. Like he didn't. Like, you know, like they moved him. He didn't. So um, I'm surprised by this. Um, And I'm not entirely sure why. Like, I think that's unless it's just that they fired Dan Tony and fired um, Maury. The, The other one I would say, just a thought for you. Um. And I don't know this. I'm just, this is just a, just a throwing it out there. I'll make some calls and try to get an answer. It felt as though Houston had James Harden particularly involved in, like, and that they were communicating with an awful lot during the hiring process of who their head coach was going to be. And it's always great to involve your players and give them a say and, you know, make them feel a part of it, but it doesn't what happens if you don't take their advice which you shouldn't by the way you should actually make your own decision then they're very upset so i don't know if that might have been what happened like for all we know they involved james harden and russell westbrook in the coaching search for steven Styles, who's a really good dude so i'd be surprised by this but they could have involved them in this coaching search and then just not taking their choice David, like I, uh, I always i always say you better be asked be careful Whose opinion you ask for, because you might not want to follow it. I'll ask you this question, David, because I've heard you talk about it in the past. But for our listeners, I want them to hear. Wait a second, I'm interrupting. I'm interrupting you for a second. Okay. Would you take Russell Westbrook? I mean, off the top of my head. He's making a lot. So let's say we can do it without trading Donovan or Rudy. I don't know that we can. I think it would have to be like Boyan and Joe um, are our only big numbers that we could put together there. Probably Boyan, Joe, and Ed Davis just kind of playing numbers and not suggesting. But um, would you take Russell Westbrook? How, I, I how understand would he... the irony of Utah and everything like that with Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I'm just asking as a player. How would, he fit how, how would he fit? I know what you're going to say, Jake, but let me ask David how he would fit into Quinn's no, no. system. No, no, don't put it on me. I put it on you. No, <laughs> All right, Jake. I know I'll, Jake I'll answer it. I'm not scared of answering. Absolutely not. I mean, every second the ball's in Russell Westbrook's hands, which is the only way he can be effective, is a second that it's not in Donovan Mitchell's hands, and then you have to pay the worst contract in the league for, your, for the pleasure. That's absolutely not. Never. Untouchable as far as I'm concerned. Gordon? I am not as definitive as Jake is on that because I think Quinn could find a way to really use a talent like that. Even though he's not a great shooter. In my offensive metric system, um, which is called points gained, which takes the average number of um, takes the possessions a player uses, compares it to the league average um, at that position. Or, excuse me, not at that position, just league average possessions. Russell had the largest individual possessions used by Russell. He had the biggest negative impact of any player in the NBA on the team last year. 
<laughs> That's great. Is that because he was a bad fit, or is that because his efficiency is so bad? Mm. And he's such a non. I don't think you could actually play Russell and Rudy together, right? Because they couldn't play Russell and, and Clint Capella together. Capella That's why together, you traded you him. Have two non shooters, yeah. two non shooters yeah. on the floor. Yeah, I got you. Um, now I will say this: if I was being really honest, if I had a thought on last year's Jazz team, I thought it could have had a little more play heart. Or play tough. I hate play tough. Play hard. No one plays harder than Russ. Yep. And the only people that play as hard as Russ are Russ's teammates. Like, Russell makes, more so than maybe any player in the NBA, makes his teammates play hard because of how hard he plays. So could Quinn shape that, David, in a more positive, more efficient manner? I don't think so, actually. I don't either. I, don't, I think, you know, I thought Billy Donovan suddenly ran really good stuff in Oklahoma City after Russ left, and I thought that was telling. <laughs> let, let <laughs> that me, is let very me, telling. David, <laughs> David, what the question I was going to ask you has to do with Harden. I've heard you talk about him in the past. Now, I can't think of a player in the NBA that really elicits uh, more uh, response, I guess, than James Harden. What do you make of him and these, uh, this talk of him moving somewhere else? How valuable is he? Jake Scott, you want James Harden? Uh, well, now that's a, a little bit different because James. You hate is, James Harden. I know, Jake, but he's, he, well, I hate watching him play uh, because I, I find it obnoxious. But I mean, there's no doubt that he's effective. I know your opinion on David. You think or on James David because you think he might be the most offensively gifted player ever. And if that indeed is true, then that uh, that is worth a different look. But it, it, the the fact still remains that you have to turn your team over to him if you trade for him. And I don't know how well that works hand in hand with the development of Donovan Mitchell. Yes, on James Harden. See, there you go. Certainly would consider it more. <laughs> oh my than God, Russell we'd Westbrook. be so good. We'd be so good. Jake, yes, goodbye. on James Harden. No, well, it depends I, on what you'd have to give up too. But yeah, I got you. I, if I, I don't certainly... have to move. If I don't have to move Rudy or Donovan, and I could get James Harden. I'm in. Like I, I mean, in like really in. What are, what are his efficiency numbers like, David? As you applied it, best in the NBA, basically. Best? I'll go look it up. I don't know if he was this last year. I'll, let me give me give me one second. I have my spreadsheet up. Um, but I mean, he's an offensive genius, and this is the one. To your question, uh, Gordon, the one that Quinn would uh, best in the NBA last year. Number one offensive player in all the wow. NBA. P- points gained last year, three point three. Now he used a ton of scoring opportunities. He used twenty-seven scoring opportunities a game, but three point three. So best, best in the NBA. Um, on average, I mean, oh my gosh, we'd be so great. Like, and could you imagine what he and Rudy would do on the pick and roll? Oh my gosh, it would be insane. And you split them. Oh, yes, and any yes, put together any contract on our roster. Yes. See, I think it's important for our listeners to hear that from you, David, because many of them sort of lean toward the negative. And I don't know if that's because he's a, he's a rival or what, but a lot of people don't seem to be all that in favor of him. Um, I want to apologize to Russell Westbrook. He got hot at the end of the year. And if I'm Kobe White was worse, Darius Garland was worse, <laughs> Torian Prince was worse. Dylan Brooks was worth. Jarrett Culver was worse of players who actually played games. Um, and Alfred Keaton 
And R.J. Barrett was actually the most negatively impactful player against his team last year. So Russell Westbrook, I, I think my numbers, I think my memory might have been off 1819 um, making that comment. If you give me a quick second, we will check that on my offensive metric. But, yes, James Harden is the number one player in the NBA offensively. I mean, you can't, like, I can't, I don't think I can really explain to you how great he is. So let me try for a second. So if you take the, you know, you have 80 scoring opportunities or so a game, and he's plus 3.3, there are only, were only four players in all of the NBA that were over three, and there are only 10 players every year that are over two. Okay? So to try to, like, equal what Harden's doing for you, like for, some, uh, for your opponent to match Harden's 3.3 is almost impossible. So you have such a dramatic edge in those 27 possessions that he or scoring opportunities that he's using every night. And then you couple it with, you know, the fifth bet, most positive impactful offensive player in the, um, for his team and the possessions he used last year, Rudy Gobert. Hmm. Not There's not too, another uh, team that would have anywhere near two players in the top 10. I love efficiency. I, I just love it, man. I, uh, not to not to pour water on this conversation as we're letting you go, uh, David, but Shams now just reported uh, Houston's James Harden remains committed to the Rockets and is, quote, locked in, unquote, for the season. So All right. there you um, go. I want you to push your listeners, by the way. This would never happen. But never mind. It's not good to talk about trades with players oh. that play for us that are going places. But. And like, we got to go tra- anyway. There's a Russell Westbrook trade that actually works with salary that, um, according to the trade machine, increases the Jazz wins by five. Hmm. We'll never argue with the trade machine. Uh, David, thank you very much. We look forward to your now, our conversation with you. I just saw Shams' tweet, and I think he misquoted Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think he misquoted James Harden. Because he's not locked in, he's locked on. Ah, branding. Nice. Very nice. Uh, thank you, David. <laughs> Have a good one. See you. All right, that's our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We are live at the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West here in Salt Lake, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.